4: Crossover, Sports Illustrated's NBA show. Breaking down the latest news,
5: rumors, and everything in between. Here's your host, Rohan Nagani, and Chris Ering.
6: Welcome back to another episode of the Crossover Podcast. I'm Rohan Nagani, joined today by my good friend, New York Times best-selling author of the book Blood in the Garden, Chris. Herring, Chris, how's it going, brother?
5: Doing okay, Ron. How are you?
6: Pretty good. Just wondering how I ever survived the Florida Heat even once in my life. Oh
5: boy, here we go.
6: Um, you know, I know that it's uh, apparently it's been a problem for some of these playoff teams too, Chris. Um, it's. Just, it's Oh my god! Um,
5: So much. Can we have a a semi-serious conversation about that for like two seconds? Daryl will understand. Daryl Swenson will understand. Uh, Is it even like that hot in Miami? Like, what? What are we talking about with this? Like, it's. I imagine there are warmer temperatures in other places potentially. Maybe not of teams that are in the playoffs, but it's not. I mean, it's also been warm. In New York lately, it's like maybe a 10 to 15 degree difference at most. It's not altitude. It's – it's what are we talking about? I could not – so,
6: you know, there are um, a couple of people on ESPN, Started with Jalen Rose mentioned, how the heat in Miami, not the team, the literal heat, the weather, you know, was maybe affecting the Knicks a little bit. Mike Greenberg kind of parroted it. And what's really – Kind of just funny to be out. The whole thing is like there are a lot of Heat fans who have this complex. so like the national media hates us. The national media doesn't want to give us doesn't want to give us any credit. No one cared that the Heat were the one seed last year. Uh No one actually takes the time to break down Heat games. So they they already think that there's this some kind of like you know conspiracy is too strong of a word, but some kind of just an un, unspoken agreement. Everyone hates the Heat. This is not helping. This is not helping when the Heat who are the eighth seed and are out, out, outplayed a higher seed for the second round in a row. People are talking about the weather as it pertains to basketball. It's just one of the silliest things I've ever heard. Yes, it is warm down here. No, it is not like the desert or, you know, I don't even know what, what how hot it would have to be before it affected an NBA player's performance inside of a building. But a very funny storyline nonetheless. But Chris, so- I want to get...
5: Embarrassing, by the way. Just, it's yeah. Like, I don't think the Knicks themselves ever even. Hit. Maybe someone floated that to one of the folks on ESPN, like privately, and then it was echoed and not done very artfully or like meaningfully. But I, I almost feel bad. I don't care enough to yeah. feel bad, but like I almost feel bad for the Knicks that they're now being painted with that brush because I, to my knowledge, none of them have said that. Certainly not right. publicly. And it's like I can't imagine an NBA player, current NBA player that's playing in this series, even thinking about making that excuse, let alone the fact that the Knicks almost lost in New York, by the way, as far as they did lose and then almost <laughs> right. lost a game where Butler wasn't playing in New York. So uh, I don't want to hear it, but also I'm not hearing it from them, and I think that's yeah. an
6: important distinction. Maybe Julius Randle should just play better. Um, anyway, I want to I talk about – Something that's made me laugh even more than this fake weather storyline. And that's the Boston Celtics losing at home to the Philadelphia 76ers in a pivotal Game 5. You sound Woo. so excited. Woo. Oh, my God. What a game that was. Joel Embiid, the MVP performance. I, I'm tempted to call our old buddy Michael the Pod Podpina right now and see if he answers. Um, he would not answer. <laughs> what? What a performance by the Sixers! What an just frankly embarrassing game from the Celtics. It's one thing if you're missing threes, shooting high variance, we get it. I thought their defense was just. Did they know it was a playoff game? Did they know it was a game five? They're throwing these. They're throwing these this soft drop coverage at Embiid and Harden. It's like Embiid and Harden got to their spots whenever they wanted to the entire night. What I don't understand about Boston is they were such a good switching defense last year. And it feels like we just have not seen so much of that in the playoffs. And I get it, especially against Harden and Embiid. It's difficult in that pick and roll. We saw the Nets switch it and actually have some success considering their limited personnel uh, mucking up the Sixers offense for large stretches of that series. Embiid was just Unbelievable. In that Game 5, I think it's one of the best games he's played in his career, especially considering the circumstances and the stakes. What he did on both ends of the floor, Philly had a 29.3 net rating, I believe, with Embiid on the floor in Game 5, and you could feel it. He just was dominant on both ends. Um, It, it was a drubbing, man. It, I was not expecting to see Pritchard, Muscala, Cornett, and Hauser take the floor in Game 5. I thought this would be a tightly contested game. Instead, the Sixers just controlled it throughout, frankly. Chris, what'd you make of it?
5: Yeah, this was just not... For for, What is that stat? Like 82% of Game 5 winners uh, coming out of a 2-2 tie go on to win the series. Mm -hmm. Um, It's particularly bad for Boston now just because the series is going back to Philly. Um, You would imagine, at least. Uh, That... You you basically need to be giving close to Game 7 effort in a Game 5 where you've got a tied series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston already blew a game that they had no business blowing. Terrible. And, and it's
6: come back to bite them.
5: A hu- in a huge way. So the defense didn't look like... <laughs> I can't stop for some reason. Maybe it's just because it's the last season of Succession. I, and I think I've even used the phrase here on this <laughs> podcast. I love you, but you're not serious people. Like This was not a serious... <laughs> Mm -mm. defensive effort from Boston, considering that they were at home, considering that we've watched a couple guys in this series go off. We've watched Harden go off for 40-plus twice in this series. Uh, This was a pretty balanced effort. Embiid played really, really, really well. Um, Harden, I think, had 17, but, you know, everybody else was getting there as Maxie. Uh, Tobias Harris played well. And, you know, offensively, I I think – Yesterday kind of solidified it for me. I've been thinking it already. Um, so much of what the Celtics team is missing is Al Horford, frankly. Mm-hmm. Not because he's not there, but because he's not there, uh, if you know what I mean. He's just not, he was such a lethal option for them last year. And just uh, if you're going to leave him open, he's going to be the guy that beats you. Oh, and, for seven from three last night. Yeah. Like you, when you go from shooting. You know, what was it during the... He was like one of the two or he three great three-point shooters in the league. and a- Every a time I watched the Celtics year.
6: game, it would be the fourth quarter, and the opposing team would leave Al Horford open in the corner, and he Good would luck. hit the open three every time. Yep.
5: Right. And it just... It, man, it has not felt like that this year. Um, he's He was you, five for seven in game three, and in
6: every other game he's been terrible from three. He's under 30% for the series.
5: Right. So that's not going to get it done. Uh, not when Boston... Use those, uses those guys as release valves. I mean, we we watched Boston use Grant Williams to the tune of 17 threes, mm-hmm. uh, three-point attempts in Game 7 against the Bucks in this round last year. So, you know, that's a key part of what they do, being able to kind of just, okay, you're going to throw essentially four guys that are two best players sometimes. Everybody else has to be ready and willing to knock down these shots. So that's part of it. You know, I thought it was underwhelming that – um when the Celtics really started to turn it on offensively. And by that, I mean Tatum having just a, a massive, what was it, third quarter? Uh, mm-hmm. It was at a time where the Celtics still weren't getting any stops. And so even when it felt like they were theoretically cutting into the Sixers' lead, they weren't because the Sixers were scoring just as efficiently as the Celtics were. So it, it just was not a serious effort. I mean, I when I think about the fact that they're failing to get stops, you know, I love Malcolm Brogdon. He, I don't know that he should have been the one guarding Harden. Um, you know, I, I just it, – it frees up too many other things. He can get by him too easily sometimes, and it's getting other guys open. Even if Harden wasn't the one really taking full advantage from a scoring standpoint, he's not the head of the snake, but he can be, mm-hmm. depending on how he plays things. And I just – uh just kind of bewildered. And, you know, all year – Like from before this season started, and certainly Mannix has been um, one of the most adamant about saying this season, even as he's written um, things about Joe Mazzula and his strengths and why he's valued and everything. We've all been saying all year, how will he get into this team when they aren't really Mm -hmm. doing what they need to do? It was a huge turning point in the Celtics season last year with Ime Udoka and everything that he said publicly, certainly behind closed doors that had the potential to embarrass this team, that had the potential to unravel the team, but instead it looked like it kind of forged them together at a time where they still had enough time to turn things around. Um, Joe Missoula is not that person. We're, we're learning very quickly that he's not that person publicly, at least. I'm not sure if he is privately, but he said something last night. And he said, what did he say about? Like,
6: I felt like our intention was to win or something like that it was the
5: weakest and i i didn't hear him <laughs> say it so i don't know if if you maybe know it's, if it, it sounds sounded better than it the read. way yeah yeah but like i thought we had the intent to win the game you thought like maybe <laughs> is the best way to put it it's fine to think that uh but i mean it just didn't look it to me like i i didn't think that watching them play and uh that's just a weird mentality and a weird question to have to ask when you're playing at home in a game that you win this one and you're you know you get one more and you're done with this and you can move on to the next thing you can you know whatever happens with the the Knicks uh Heat series you might even be able to get some rest if that's the case not now not if the Heat do their job tonight um so we'll, we'll see I mean it's, it's not over for them but that was not inspiring like I'm, I'm never gonna count out the Celtics like I thought Last year, when they struggled with the Warriors and dropped three in a row, I they hadn't done that in months, mm-hmm. you know, until that happened in the finals. So I thought that they would give a bounce back performance. They don't always do that, and uh, you know, it's been a weird series for Robert Williams as well. Um, kind of the way he's been used, like at times, like his intensity level, whether he's at a position. I'm not used to seeing the Celtics struggle this much. Certainly mm-hmm. not on defense. Certainly not when a beat is not there sometimes. Uh, Paul Reed's been fantastic.
6: Paul Reed's been fantastic. God, there's so much I want to dive into with this series, Herring, Because, and I might write about this. I did write about the Celtics defense today if people want to check that out. But we, we've we seen in this playoffs now how little the regular season has mattered, right? We've seen teams completely flip their profiles etc. A number of things have changed. The Celtics were second in offense and defense during the regular season. I looked this up. Last year, the Celtics had a 106.2 defensive rating in the regular season. In the playoffs, (laughs) 106.3. So there was no drop off. Now granted, they played some offensively challenged teams. They also played the Warriors. They played the Nets with Durant and Irving. They had a lot to do with the offensive struggles of their opponents. This year, they had a 110.6 defensive rating uh, during the regular season. It slipped to 114.2 in the playoffs. That's the difference between second and 20th in the league. That's how much the defense has dropped off. So, you know, I was texting with our buddy Mike last night, thought I would rub it in a little bit more, but could tell he was in a bad place as uh, his favorite team got booed off the floor by the fans who hadn't left early. Um And, uh, I don't, so when I watched the Sixers in the first round, I was kind of like, this is it? Like, yeah, they're just going to squeak by these Nets teams. And I thought, wow, Boston has an opportunity to go small, double Embiid, switch everything, make Embiid guard in space. Embiid's been ignoring Al Horford for the most part. Philly did a good job keeping him in the paint defensively last night. They switched a lot of stuff on the perimeter, and Horford hasn't been able to make them pay. Grant Williams has just been buried the second half of the season. And this is another thing. Uh, you know, we Grant Williams seems to be a little bit of a personality. I, I'm not that close to the team. I'm not going to pretend I have any inside info here. But he he seems like someone who, frankly, needs to be managed a little bit, is, is the vibe that you get from people around that team, from people who cover that team, etc. He's been buried when he was a huge reason for their success in the playoffs last year. I mean, the Game 7 against Milwaukee, even outside of that, I I don't know why they haven't tried. I would consider, frankly, trying, like, three guards with Tatum and Brown, like, literally, Brogdon, Smart, White, Tatum, and Brown. I would consider trying two of those guards, either Brogdon and White, Brogdon and Smart, Smart and White, Tatum, Brown, play Grant Williams more, switch everything, And see if you can make Embiid guard in space. They haven't really made him guard in space in this series. I mean, we talk so much about the Warriors and how they're trying to make AD guard in Mm -hmm. space. The Celtics need to try doing that to Embiid. And, and, you know, switching is not some cure-all. Every year we say, ah, just switch everything. It's not that easy. But if I'm the Celtics, wouldn't you rather live with hardened isos and hard double Embiid like the Nets did? Then It felt like last night in Game 5. The Sixers are just walking into their spots offensively. Like Embiid's walking into the free throw line. And Harden is walking into the, the floater range. Embiid is facing up on the block, and the doubles aren't coming quickly enough. I I, I just didn't get that game plan from them.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, was, it was actually the opposite of what you, I think a lot of times the playoffs would prefer to happen. I think if you had your pick in the playoffs – you generally are okay with having one thing to worry about. So it's if it's Embiid getting fifty, which I mean, we just saw Jokic do that against the Suns, and it wasn't enough to win. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you 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 let you can let someone go off, but you can't let everybody. And mm-hmm. yesterday was kind of, I would imagine, like kind of a nightmare, considering that they had a really really balanced attack. Maxie had really great moments in that game. I mean, he continues to be really impressive. I think Jerome Weitzman had a a feature, um, a piece on Maxie's ability to, you know, he was one of the worst shooters in the league Mm -hmm. for a while when he first got in, and that's very much not the case anymore. But I I think there's something to be said, obviously now at the Celtics down 3-2. When you lose two games in a row in a playoff series, In the NBA, you have to be willing to go for broke. Your season is on the line anyway now. Mm -hmm. And so it should go without saying that you're going to see a different defensive strategy. You kind of have to, right? And I I would just imagine that even if you're acquiescing and basically saying like, look, Embiid is going to do whatever he does. Um, We're going to try our best with him. We're going to hack him if we need to at times, even Mm -hmm. though that's maybe not the most effective. He's a good free throw shooter. But, like, the other guys are not going to get detached from our defense. They're not going to get open looks. It just can't be everybody down the line, like, getting good looks and having a good game. Like, you can't go out that way. And, um, you know, I I also have one. like, I don't know how to write about this. It's an idea I have, I guess. Hopefully I'm not giving it away. Maybe I am. If I am, oh, well. My bosses will have to get upset about that. Um, The idea that. You know, as we talk about Joe Missoula, how many Sixers fans wanted Doc fired this year? Yeah. Doc is coaching proverbial circles around Joe Doc's Mazzulla coaching so his ass off, dude. Like, shout out to so, Doc. Give the man his credit. I, I've always thought that maybe, you know, even when he's stuck with DeAndre Jordan and Paul Reed was right there. We, we, have, we have, you know, premium DeAndre Jordan at home. Uh, I mean, that's not even fair to Paul Reed because he's better than that. <laughs> Very much better than that. Uh, but, you know, Doc had some things that it was fair to criticize him for, sticking with certain guys. Um, you know, to his credit, if you felt like you needed to, to move on from Ben Simmons, he was probably the guy that lit the biggest fire under that whole situation to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and in this case, in a series where the Boston Celtics should be clear favorites, and I wrote that last week, uh, now that the Bucks aren't there... They're the clear favorites, and Doc has them up three-two. You know, and a and a series where Embiid didn't play the first game and didn't really look right the second game. So, like, props to to the Sixers. Props to Doc. They've had the right game plan here. The Celtics have been befuddling. They have not even from the early stages of the series not completely looked from the early stages ready of the to take this series. Like, it, it, really, that's a good point too. Is that they it, just haven't? I mean, as, the, they they played around they, they as around and say, almost found out with the Hawks. As um, Doc
6: would say, they played with their meat against the Hawks.
5: Oh jeez, can we <laughs> Doc <laughs> Rivers said Man. that? Why are you shaking your head at me? <laughs> That's Be, what he said. that hey <laughs> phrasing. Uh, anyway, um, anyway, but yeah, this look, is a me, this is a really big moment for the Sixers. They have a golden opportunity here. It's funny to think that they would then become favored because at this point, like I don't want anything to do with the heat with how they're shooting and how long they've managed to do this for, how good Jimmy Butler looks. Do you mean the team Ultra or the weather? Looks. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, some For some reason, I don't anticipate anyone arguing or or, or complaining about that. Again, um, the Knicks didn't either. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean the Sixers have to feel really good. I imagine that that will change really quickly if they drop game six. But if they can close this out in six – which they'll have every opportunity to do playing at home. They should have every opportunity to do that at home.
6: So uh, uh, this would be a massive collapse if if the Celtics went out in the second round. I just want to point that out there. And I'm not just saying this because I like to get on Boston and their propaganda arm on this podcast, but because of how much respect we had for this team. They're by far, based on the wealth of data that we've collected in the regular season, theoretically the best team left in the playoffs um again second in offense second in defense do you think about the the variety of lineups they can play two big one big no big like this is everything you'd want a playoff team and they just haven't looked like they've taken it seriously since that atlanta series and it's baffling to me uh the title is there for them to take there's no clear favorite this year they were first in point differential first in net rating Again, they didn't run away with the league, maybe like they were running away in the second half of last year, but it's just been a baffling effort from them, and I'm interested to see what Joe Mzula's risk profile is because we're here talking about these changes you have to make, and yes, you have to do something in an elimination game, but also it's very it's a lot easier said than done to say, hey, we're going to change our strategy, how we've played this entire series in a do-or-die game. Um, and... How long is he going to be willing to ride out certain lineups? If this lineup gives up three points in 30 seconds or, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot, but the the possessions are going to be so heightened in this game. How long is he going to be willing to ride out some of these adjustments? It's going to be fascinating to watch. I will say for the Celtics, they were in this exact position last year and they responded incredibly. I, I don't think anyone saw them going back to Milwaukee after that, Good point. Debilitating game five loss. They took the Bobby Portis offensive rebound, the Drew Holiday plays against Marcus Smart. That was a incredible win they had in game six in Milwaukee last year. Tatum at 46, one of the best games of his life. It's I gonna forgot take the, about yeah. that
5: game six. That game yeah. six was insane. Great, I mean, great the, game. The, what I will say, it's a little bit different. I mean, they earned every bit of that win. It's, it's mm-hmm. not taking anything from them milwaukee was hurt it, it's
6: a different it's a different tenor the series it, is a whole it, different was, tenor. it was
5: because they were hurt i mean they found ways to manage the fact that middleton wasn't there obviously they were neck and neck with them even without him being there i felt like if i'm remembering correctly without going back to look i feel like holiday declined so like it was very much like a car that was running smoothly pretty <laughs> smoothly and then ran out of gas By the end of it. And I mean, that, you know, like that is where Boston has depth and they deserve full credit for that. So it's not taking anything away from them. But, you know, they did respond incredibly. But I wonder if that was aided by the fact that they had to rely so heavily on Holiday to be the second guy. And that series, they, you know, they're if they're waiting on any sort of assistance or help. They already had that at the front end of the series, and it was Embiid not playing. Mm-hmm. That, that's why, mm-hmm. as you point out, that was a huge missed opportunity because they could very easily be up three two if they win that game. Um, you know, so or I don't know. It, it's it's we're gonna have to see. I, I this is a great opportunity for Joe Mazzulla. This is a great opportunity for the Celtics to this a that legacy championship. game, right? No, it is in the same way that that Celtics game uh, mm-hmm. with the with the Bucks last year, as you pointed out had an opportunity to be. I mean, like, it's one of those games that would have been remembered for all time had they come through and won a title um, the way that it looked like they were going to at one point in that final series.
6: Listen, it's just been all downhill for the Boston Media Mafia since they gave Marcus Smart that Defensive Player of the Year trophy, oh to lose in the finals. Your fans booing you off your home floor in a playoff game. Tough scene, I mean, but you also fans say that like the streaming Sixers fans wouldn't do that yeah, wouldn't if, do.
5: It, if it came down to it. I'm sure listen, they
6: listen, all I'm gonna say is the Miami <laughs> Heat crowds. You know, anybody, everybody has an opinion on the Heat crowds. Why are they? Why do they get there so late? They're not, you know, fake noise, they're not that into the game. I, they've won every home game so far this playoffs. I haven't gotten booed off the floor. Um, you know, the only reason the fans have been leaving early because the games have been blowouts. And then here you go, Boston, you know, I just uh, – it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me, Chris. That's all I'm going to say. Um, very, very interested to see how that series turns out because as good as Embiid was in game five, they're going to need another huge performance from him in game six, and I'm just so excited for it. I, as much as it's its hard for the players, I love when the series are every other day and we get two games a night. I love this. Um, <laughs> exactly that's me that's truly me i love mess like i'm gonna just absolutely pina's gonna have to block me if the celtics go out in the second round dude
5: um i'm probably gonna have to block you too just because <laughs> I, like i could enjoy it for the first couple of texts but i'm like all right I look up some nights and it's like, I've got 89 text messages I haven't read and 83 of them are from y'all. So all y'all can, all y'all can catch this block. Uh, you want some block? I love mess, but I don't, I don't like messing my text messages.
0: Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye.
7: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
6: Let's move on to the other game that was played last night. My Denver Nuggets putting a shellacking on the Phoenix Suns. Nikola Jokic has just been, I don't know if it's because the games are on late at night, I don't, I don't know if it's because they're the one seed, but, you know, like, I don't think we're doing a good enough job of discussing, and I mean, we as, I'm just not seeing enough people talk about how unreal Jokic has been in the playoffs. Like, Devin Booker's been fantastic. We know Devin Booker's been great. Devin Booker's at 34.6 points, 5.4 rebounds, 7.8 assists. shooting. That's incredible. He's unreal. Jokers at 35 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists on 58% shooting. He has been unbelievable in this series, unbelievable in the playoffs so far. Uh, Every bit as good as any other player, whether it's Embiid, Booker, whoever you want to put in kind of that best player in the world category, Jokic has been there. The Nuggets were just firing on all cylinders last night. It felt like they're shooting... Regressed back to what it was normally, which is good after regress to the mean, I should say. After game four in Phoenix, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, was just on fire from outside. Devin Booker finally had an inefficient game. I wonder if it felt like Denver made it a point to make him work defensively, playing in altitude, playing in the minutes, the amount of responsibility. You wonder if it caught up to him a little bit. He also seemed to get a little bit banged up.
5: Yeah, his ankle at one point. Yeah.
6: Durant's been comfortably the third best player in this series which is kind of hurting the Suns Like it's not inconceivable to think Durant could have outplayed Jokic, they haven't gotten that so far we've seen Denver now, Denver had opportunities to win both those games in Phoenix in a way that Phoenix has not been close to Denver in the last two games in Denver but it's going to be tough for Denver to close this one out What'd you, what did you make of that game last night?
5: Um, I, I mean, I hate to be Shaq here, <laughs> but I'm going to be. Yep. Uh, so I'm gonna grow a foot and a half taller. Um, I need DeAndre Ayton to do more in this series <laughs> because we have whittled this down now to Jokic, his cast, his supporting cast, which sometimes it's more than that because you get a ton out of Murray or you just get a supernova Michael Porter Jr. game. Uh, but you know, for the most part, it's like it's it's Jokic nearing or exceeding triple double numbers 30 53 29 whatever he has and then everybody else giving the sort of stacked like down the line effort that we were just talking about from philly um and in the last game uh so that's fine like you know you can try to win that game you can beat denver even when Jokic has 53 sometimes that's if you're getting really, really, really like otherworldly performances from Book and, and Katie. Mm-hmm. They're not the only two stars, borderline all-stars on that team.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, yeah, we know about Chris Paul. He's not available. Who else do you have? You have Aiton. He's a guy that is capable of getting you 25. He's a guy that has a lot of responsibility in this series. But he's also a guy that is going to get pretty decent shots in this series at times because of where he likes to operate from because Denver is throwing much of what they have at two guys, which is very similar to what we were saying about the Celtics and the way that the Sixers try to guard them. And the fact that Horford has to do more. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to say that about Horford, I'm going to say it about Ayton because he's more of a scorer than Horford. He's not as much of a three point scorer, uh, but he's as much, if not more of a scorer than, than Horford is at this point in his career. Um, So I'm going to point some of the blame there. That said, I don't know that I expect the Suns. Like Once the Suns lost CP3, I did not expect them Mm -hmm. to win the series. I want to say the last time we podcasted at length about the series, I said I would be less surprised by the Nuggets sweeping the series than I would be by the Suns winning it at all. So I was very, very, very impressed that the two games in Phoenix that Phoenix came back to win to tie that series up. I wondered a little bit whether the Nuggets had kind of taken a little bit of this team's soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to complete credit to the Suns for having battled back. You you said, you know, a lot of people have said in this series, it's gonna take these two guys going off for 50 each, and it at times it's been close to that. Yeah. Uh you know, but you can't do that for a whole series. And uh particularly I think it's tougher on them, obviously, when they're playing in Denver when Okay, it's not heat, but it's altitude. And that seems right. like a real thing to me for a team that doesn't necessarily play in that, um, particularly when you're talking about a one day gap between the games. Even if you're not, it's just, it's hard to run like that. It's hard to run like that when you're undermanned compared to the other team that's used to playing in that environment. So, um, you know, are the Suns capable of, of, of getting game six? Of course they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like Chris Paul is progressing a little bit, although that is such a tricky injury that even if he does it wouldn't shock yeah, me if he reaggravated a, yeah, it at some point not a, not which not i hate that wonder. about it right. like even if they advance i don't love that just because you know i've been watching the Knicks in the heat and watching these guys reaggravate their ankle sprains like it's just bound to happen when you're coming back on mm-hmm. shorter rest than what you need from an injury from that like that um i i just don't feel good about this for phoenix even if they're able to get game 6 unless there's an injury to the nuggets for Game Seven, they're going to be in the same environment that they just got smoked in yesterday, and uh, that they just have not played well enough in. And the the first three games we've seen in um, in Denver so far, so I don't like the Suns' chances. I didn't before, even when they got it back to two two. It was like, oh, this is interesting. But unless really, I'm trying to think of the best like two man performance I've seen from a team, and I, I guess I'm gonna naturally go to 2016 mm-hmm. with the Cavs and and the Warriors when LeBron and Kyrie just went nuts for the latter end of that series to come back and win but that's not normal it's not something I expect Uh, you know I think the Nuggets should be good here but we'll see if they can close it out in six to avoid a dramatic you know game seven
6: right yeah I I don't want to take my chances with Katie and book in a game seven even as good as Denver's been at home the Aiton thing is fascinating you know I, I thought Aiton was so good during the run to the finals and Last Absolutely year la- last year his playoffs ended terribly. You know, and I spoke to him right before and I felt like he was so good last year. You know, remember Chris Paul went out and he was still playing really well. And you always wonder yes. you always wonder when a center's playing well with Chris Paul. Is it just Chris getting them in the spots all the time? Ayton was playing fantastic. Ben Golliver said something to me, we did a podcast before the start of the season, thought he made a great point. He was like every possession every Phoenix possession that ends in an eight and shot is a win for the Suns, And he said that before they got Kevin Durant. And it's a good point because it feels like every time he takes one of these hooks, even if it's like he's taking a hook shot over Jamal Murray, first of all, he still won't make it every time. Secondly, it's like, yeah, I'd rather see that shot than the Devin Booker mid range. But I think even more importantly on the other end of the floor, listen, nobody in this league is guarding Nikola Jokic one-on-one and it's just nobody I, I may be Embiid, but that would be a big task even for Embiid to go one-on-one um, against the Joker. And they have been committed to playing him one-on-one. I think in part because Aiton, if you remember that Suns sweep, did a good job. Jokic even credited him. He said, I think he's one of the best guys in the league at defending me. And Aiton was like, wow, hearing that from the MVP, like...
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Listen, it's uh, it's easy for me to say here sit here talking into a microphone, you know, watching these games, eating chicken wings from the couch and be like, "Come on, Aiton, you got to you got to play a little bit better." But he is getting so thoroughly outplayed on both ends of the floor. For someone who is a number 1 overall pick, we're not even saying you say like I don't even just say, "Hey man, go get me 30 and 10." But at least stop Jokic from getting 30 and 10. It's tough, man, because we saw some early run for some of the Phoenix bench players in Game 5. You know, Shamit got in earlier. Terrence Ross got in. I wonder at what point you... Like, I think Landale has been giving Jokic more trouble in this series. It's not like he's guarding him one-on-one, but the activity's been better. But the fact that we have to even analyze
5: that tells you, like, and I think that's part of what it is. It's like you either need Aiton to just be a juggernaut on offense or more effective and impactful defensively. One or the other. I mean, both, and you would be talking about a series where all of a sudden the Suns win game six, and then game seven you feel like maybe they, maybe with all the guys on their team that, you know, have more experience or have, like, superstar level experience... You might even favor them in a game mm-hmm. seven. But, yeah, I I, I I think that's one of the things here is that um, with a team that has less depth, a team that has more injury risk. And I remember when I've done this, you know, we all have done those, you know, the seven things you need to watch for, the five players you need to, uh-huh. you know, keep an eye on. He was on my list immediately after they made that trade for Katie because, you know, he's going to get open looks. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to be less of he has to be less of a focal point for defenses at that point but also if you're a team with less cohesion the guys that are on that team have been part of that roster before take on more importance like how does he adjust to the idea of the fact that he's going to get less touches with this group um, how does he defend how what are his spirits like we've seen stuff get rocky with him and Monty Williams before you know in the last year Um, we've also seen them get to a game... Like, the other thing that we have not talked about here is, like, this would be the first Game 7 they played in since the shellacking that they took last year where Bonnie called him out, basically. Um, So we don't know how he or anybody else is going to react to that spotlight if they're even fortunate enough to force a Game 7. But uh, he was always one of the most central characters to, like, who's going to win the title and why. Mm -hmm. Um, If... A team like Denver can make mincemeat of him and make him a non-relative non-factor. I won't go that far. He's—I mean—he's been, but there have been times where he's been a non-factor. I Mm -hmm. think if you were to look at Game Four, um, granted they won that game, but again, Jokic had how many points? Yeah, fifty-three, and and I think Aiton had eight or whatever it was. Like again, good luck with that being a sustainable sort of thing like you can win but it's not going to be because of him and I I find it hard to believe that you play a whole series that goes six seven in this case it would have to go seven I can't really buy the idea that they're going to win a series without Aiton being a huge part of at least one of those games uh where he helps them win I I think he's too important and too good a player when he has it rolling for him to not be more impactful so we'll see uh I also think that if they lose, it becomes an interesting question of, you're going to be looking to make some changes. You're going to need and, and, some And Denver's depth.
6: not going anywhere. Denver's,
5: you know Denver's what I mean? Denver's like, around. Yeah. That team is, like, yeah. firmly in place to – I mean, they haven't won anything yet, but, like, firmly in place to be around for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, their core is there. I mean, these guys are solid. I, I will say that the Bruce Brown question – is going to be looming uh, for them. That's terrible. That's so sad. Uh, <laughs> he's going to be very sought after at some point. But either way, I I, I just don't – I to finish my thought, I, I think Aiton has to be someone that at, at some point – I don't know what the demand would be, but um, he has – I mean, he's making a lot of money. He's really great sometimes. He's really not that great so other times. Uh, and I think now there have been enough moments now since that finals run where you're like – um, you know, like what, what not, I'm, I'm, it would be too mean to say like, what do you do here? But yeah, what, like, what are we talking about? Like, you've got to be more impactful than this, particularly when Chris Paul's not there. I, I get that it's challenging for him too, because Chris mm-hmm. Paul is kind of his lifeblood on some level, yeah. but he's good enough to, to command the ball and to do things with it without Chris Paul being there yeah. too. And I think that, you know, he probably would tell you that too. <sighs>
6: So a huge reason for this is foul trouble. He's not even averaging 30 minutes a game in this series. He hasn't had double-digit rebounds of one game in this series. He's averaging 11 and 8. Four fouls a game. It's just not good enough, man. It's I don't like seeing players not play well, you know? It, oh, me Aiton neither. Was, and if Aiden was playing well and they lost, like, fair game, man. Jokic is one of the best in the world. Maybe the best. On any given night, he can be the best. It's not an easy matchup. I just I don't want to see him go out like this. As far as Aiton goes, thinking ahead a little bit, I like Monty Williams a lot. I'm a big fan of Monty Williams. I think he's such a stand up person. I don't. I just wonder if he's the right coach for someone like Da. You know, I think Aiton. He just seems, you know, he just seems so different, even from. He's obviously like age wise, way different than Chris Paul. Age wise, a completely different generation than like Kevin Durant. And I even think Booker, you know, they might have share some of the same interests, but it feels like even Book is just like on a different page than him in terms of the kind of person they are. And I, I just, again, this is not to be like Monty Williams is doing a bad job. He can't like I think Monty Williams does know how to manage people. I think he's a good coach. I just don't know that he seems to be a great fit with Da. And I wonder if Aiton... That seemed sort yeah. of...
5: I mean, I won't say obvious. It's not fair to say that. I think that's there's part evidence, of why... There's evidence. Yeah, there's... Part of why we were all a little bit surprised that... I mean, we also saw that Phoenix was not, like, gleeful about bringing the guy back. Right, uh, right. I mean, they went out and forced him to go get an offer sheet. Who was it that signed him on? Indiana. 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 Um, And, you know, they bided their time with that. Then they were like, yeah, we're going to match. And it's like, okay, I guess... Uh, and then we all wondered for a while too. Like I can't remember if that immediately made him ineligible to be included in a sign and trade. I think it did. It, it may. But we it, still it, wondered whether he would potentially be on the you know on the trade room floor as far as trading him somewhere because it just didn't like if it's between Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton. And this is rare, by the way. I think it speaks to the rest of the talent they have on this roster. You're not normally keeping the coach, and it right. seemed very clear that between the two of them, they had kind of staked their claim to Monty Williams and that they would figure out something else with with DeAndre Ayton. Um, you know, it didn't happen last year. They tried to sweep this under the rug. Monty Williams kept trying to downplay the repeated questions about their relationship. Um, and look, it might be beyond the relationship at this point. It might not be a relationship thing. It might just be like a, does this guy fit what we're doing? Mm-hmm. Could we, and, and even if he does, even if you feel like he does, Um, could they be better off having more depth in his role, getting another center who's cheaper, um, but getting someone else, you know, him and a number of other players that fit the roster better because they, frankly, the reason I don't expect them to win the series is depth at this point, Uh, particularly when you're talking about depth, reliance on two key guys that are going to be handling the ball every play without Chris Paul, and the fact that you're playing an altitude for half of the more than half of the series, if it goes seven games, uh, it's a difficult road to hoe from that standpoint. And uh, you know they would have to make some changes. Chris Paul could be one of those changes at some point, but I don't yes. imagine that anybody's gonna get give you much back for him at this point.
6: Someone texted me (laughs) earlier in the playoffs. This is Chris Paul's last playoffs with the Suns. I'm interested to see. He's got kind of a weird half-guaranteed contract.
5: Exactly. That's where I'm saying I don't know that the value on him is enough to where – like, yeah, if you could – I mean, they they thought about swapping him out at the deadline. Uh, So, I mean, it's not that they're so committed to keeping him. That's not the issue. I just don't know. The only value you're going to get from any of your guys at this point is book – yeah katie and and i imagine Aton i don't yeah. think chris paul is someone that you're gonna see a lot of return for just right. because he's i mean it's chris paul he's old we're looking at his injury issues which we mm-hmm. knew about beforehand so it's like Aton is a guy that i think you could actually get something for whether it would be exactly what you want back for him is another question but yeah. he's talented he's clearly talented that's not the question mm-hmm. here it's more of a question of fit it's more of a question of personalities as you were laying out with booker and and Aiton and everything like that, and the guys that just seem like they're at a different place in their career and and maybe maturity-wise as well.
6: Yeah, listen, we're looking ahead a lot. Phoenix is in this series. They can win game six, game seven, anything can happen, especially when you have talents like Book and KD. It's just felt like in the balance of the series, Denver has been better. And it's I don't want to simplify it too much. I mean, Phoenix has done some interesting things, picking up the pace without Chris Paul. Um, the way they've run those those double screens, but at that's the top difficult of the key to, to get do. Booker,
5: yeah, it definitely but that's do. difficult to do yeah. in light of being shorthanded yeah. the way they are. Right. so it's, yeah. it's sustainable for maybe a yeah. game. I don't know that you want to do it for a whole series. Right,
6: I, I don't. Basically, I don't wish to minimize some of the strategic things we've seen in this series, but it really is just so much of it. It's just Joker's individual dominance, especially offensively. Denver is getting a good shot. It feels like every single possession. In this series, as long as they get him the ball. As long as they get him the ball, they get a good shot. And so much of it's going to be like, who's going to survive one-on-one against Joker if that's how the Suns want to play it?
0: Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye.
7: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Before we get
6: out of here, I think by the time people listen to this, you know, we're not going to touch on Heat Knicks too much. Um, but I want to talk about Warriors-Lakers a tiny bit. It's 3-1, headed back to San Francisco tonight. I, as I was watching the you know that SpongeBob meme that's like please say psych. Um, yes. <laughs> as I was watching Game Four, and the Warriors are blowing it, I was like, please say psych. Like this is not going to happen, right? We're not the Golden State's not going to go down three one. Surely they have the championship resolve to pull this game out. And that's not to diminish what the Lakers have done. Los Angeles has been fantastic. I owe them an apology. I did not think their trade deadline moves would work out this well. And they're doing all this with LeBron, not playing like LeBron James. Obviously, we get Lonnie Walker with a, a series-changing fourth quarter. So happy for Lonnie Walker. Shout out to the U. Yes. I I just, in no way did I expect the Warriors to drop that game, especially when they have a lead going into the fourth quarter. Steph doesn't. Attack. i don't know why steph to this moment i don't know why steph didn't try to take anthony davis to the rim on either of those yeah. last two possessions in the late in the fourth quarter there we saw the warriors make the starting lineup change going with gary payton i thought it worked i'm not the first person to point this out they ran steph pick and rolls to their heart's content in the first half and it was working beautifully second half they go away from it just because ad's on wiggins which I thought was the wrong decision. And listen, Steve Kerr, I, I I feel embarrassed to even suggest something to Steve Kerr. That's how much respect I have for him. But mm-hmm. I didn't understand their their reluctance to run pick and rolls against AD in the second half just to get him into space. Um, I, I have to think the Warriors are going to send this back to L.A. for game six. But are you as shocked as I am or are you just kind of like, no, I, I think the Lakers have been this good?
5: I mean, it's. I'm shocked that just what we saw at the end of that game happened. First of all, mm-hmm. like, um, oh gosh! Imagine look, if you're a
6: Warriors had, fan, man, you have to be going crazy. I don't broke my TV.
5: I mean, so Brian Windhorst has given us two fantastic moments uh, <laughs> over the last year or so from the you know the Jazz. Why would he do that? Uh, <laughs> And, I mean, he had one that rivaled that one immediately on the Warriors, if you haven't seen it already. Um, I want to say that maybe Jimmy Traina even wrote a, a piece on it just because it was so funny. Uh, he just was losing it when he was talking about the the mishaps that the Warriors had at the end of the games. Now, keep in mind, we've also seen the Warriors do that before. We've seen this exact same thing in – In a higher stakes series than this one. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Where we see Steph kind of, granted, with good defense from Kevin Love, we see him kind of decline to try to go at Kevin Love and and get to the basket against Kevin Love. So
6: one thing against the stop, they needed a three there. That was a little bit of a different situation. They only needed one against AD.
5: Great point. So this was even more kind of a head scratcher. Uh, Baffling. I mean, Clay took one of the worst shots I've ever seen Dude, those two. Uh, You thought the Jordan Poole shot was was bad. Those clay shots. Yeah, the Jordan
6: Jordan Poole shot wasn't as bad as much as it was funny. Like, it was just funny that that's what happened.
5: He was open and, like, it was, you know, he's capable of making that shot. It doesn't make it the best shot necessarily because you still have other people on your team. Maybe you could have gotten a better look somehow. But, like like you said, it was more funny than it was just an awful, terrible shot. Um, This one, Steph. Yeah. Between that, that doesn't even get it. The whole, let me just, you know, throw the wedding bouquet pass out of bounds, thinking that someone's behind me. <laughs> the idea that they didn't call time out. Um, you know, it sounded like Kerr was trying to, or he claimed to be trying to, which... I, I I have some empathy from that standpoint that mm-hmm. um, ref may I mean, not be able to hear people, you. you every, may everyone was like,
6: call a timeout. That is such a – that play happened so quickly. It was not it, that it, easy to call a timeout. It did,
5: but, I mean, yeah. that is – we are talking about the last seconds of a game. Yeah, yeah. In which you're talking about basically loose ball. There's only a second and a half or two to call one or to try to call mm-hmm. one. I mean, if Steph is thinking, let me fling it over my head and someone might be behind me, it's also rational to think that he's smart enough to think to call him out. Yeah. I also want to tie all that back, like not to be a conspiracy theorist. It's not a conspiracy. <laughs> first of all, it's not a conspiracy. Let me not even use that phrasing, but look, as crazy as the, uh, maybe that's not the most. Appropriate
6: did you see, either. did you say that? So <laughs> I'm sorry, not to derail you, but, um, no, go ahead the, the, after like, you know, I love seeing the other fan bases go at each other on Twitter. It's pretty And, great. and, uh, they started, like, after the, some Golden State fans were complaining about the calls, someone, uh, I think Damon Rangula, who's, like, a big Lakers fan, called mm-hmm. it InfoWarriors Twitter.
5: Wow. I mean, <laughs> that, that fits perfectly with that uh, mm-hmm. conspiracy theory yeah. comment I was making. Yeah, yeah. But what I will say, as we talk, like, yes, the, the Warriors went away too early or went away too much from the idea of the constant, like, we're just going to have our pick of pick and rolls. We'll do it as much as we want to our heart's content with mm-hmm. the phrasing use. I do wonder on some level how much that takes out of Steph having to do it all game long. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like when we talk about the decision making of Steph and and just everybody at the end of that game, when you're doing that and then you make a mistake like that at the end of the game, like we've watched the Warriors do some stuff that even for them, they, they, we've seen it before, but we're not used to seeing it. Happen this many times in one series within the first four or five games of one series, um, but they're playing pretty desperately. It feels like sometimes, and sometimes when you're locked in situations like that, you just don't make the right decisions. And what, I mean, what, we can put what, that on Clay. We can make that. The, on, we can what put was, on.
6: What's the borderline not conspiracy you're suggesting here?
5: That that the, the just, like, exhaustion that Steph is making terrible decisions. Oh, okay, um, okay. <laughs> and, and maybe because of the fact that – I don't know. I guess it would also be a more legitimate point if he ran yeah. pick and rolls the whole game mm-hmm. as opposed to most of the first half. Uh, I don't know. Like Again, I'm also not trying to bail them out. of Like, they have not played well enough mm-hmm. in these key moments. Uh, Jordan
6: Poole is MIA, and I don't know if it's him. I don't know if he's – Lost conference because the rotation. He's kind of been Speaking yo-yoed. Of
5: people that maybe need to be traded.
6: <laughs> Bro, he's I don't been know that it'll happen. Raw. I
5: also wonder what the demand would be around the league. Like, I, I've always been curious. What does Draymond look in a different? Like, how does he look yeah. in a different uniform? Right. Jordan Poole I'm way more curious about. Right. Because I think just because you'd have to anchor your franchise yeah. around him, depending on what team he goes to.
6: I think Draymond could play off most superstars in the league. But you I put him show. on, like, the Hornets, it's, like, not going to be pretty. Ooh, um, but although I still think he'd help any team defensively, I think he's one of the top five defenders ever. I would have I loved to have that. seen him with Portland before. Um, I
5: really would have loved that. Shelby, hey, Shelby that, wants and, to as, him as on as Portland. Shelby yeah. says the same thing yeah. via chat, Yeah, uh, shout out to Shelby. But, no, I mean, he he would have fit that. I don't know if it would be as great now just because I don't know what Portland's right. trying to do. And I don't know that they know what they're trying to do, but – like, give me Draymond and the Blazers two years ago. Yeah, um, yeah, know, it's, gonna it be, be it's gonna be tougher. It's gonna be weird
6: to see Draymond in Portland when Dame's gonna be on the Heat this summer. Um,
5: all right, guys. So thank you so much for listening to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow.
6: Um, <laughs> Shelby's not abused. Um. Yeah, man. I, I hope this series goes the distance only because I want to see every last possible minute of LeBron and Steph possible, but Me too. Sh- shout out to the Lakers who we're going to have to devote a lot of time to at some point because considering how LeBron has not been LeBron, they've been fantastic. Different guys stepping up every single game seemingly. AD's been a menace. Very interesting to see if the Warriors maybe even try to start Jordan Poole or it, it was also weird that Moody closed over GP2 down the stretch of that game because i thought gary payton was playing well and and maybe could have been someone they, they try to get switched on to lonnie walker i don't know it's just very very i'm interesting always game. amazed
5: that he doesn't get a little bit more time yeah like, i watch him he makes he makes enough shots to be out there he's right knows enough about their offense to I be mean, in did the right he scored like five
6: or five or seven points like immediately to start that game
5: I, I just don't yeah. get it. Like, I, yeah. I feel like there's something that I'm not understanding that yeah. maybe he's under restrictions or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I get, I understand that there have been enough levers pulled and buttons pushed where you roll out, um, to Michael Green and he plays well. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that those things are going to happen sometimes and like it's going to make her look like a genius. And I think he's much closer to being that than like the opposite. But I, I don't understand why Gary Payton the second isn't like a consistent why why it feels like his minutes are less consistent or like they're here and there and kind of all over the place sometimes even though he plays well and gives them a bit of what they need each time he's out there seemingly Uh, look if Anthony Davis plays a great game um, in game six I think that the well actually no we're we're talking about three one now so this is game five. If he plays great games in either game five, game six, game seven, uh, I think that might be game over. Like, I just kind of feel like when he's brought it in this series um, and really come to play and really just been like a force, um, as much as I love Kevon Looney, as much as I love Draymond, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I love Draymond, but like, as much as I love. <laughs> As much as I love the Warriors and what makes them who they are and how great they are, I, I don't know that they have an answer for AD when he's locked in and when he's like a destroyer of all worlds yeah. sort of. And uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, I think he and LeBron and the Lakers have it in them to like find one more performance like yeah. that over the next three games. It's a very tough spot that the Warriors are in. And also like, you knocked him a lot more than I did. I uh, just want to put that on the record. But like we're all going <laughs> to we're all gonna have to apologize to Mannix here in a minute. If, oh uh, God! If they keep this up, I mean it's yeah. it's. But I mean the Lakers have looked good even from the first first game, where they had LeBron back in the lineup and all their trade, uh, you mm-hmm. know their trade guys in the lineup. They looked fantastic. It was too early to really feel that way right mm-hmm. then. But it was very clear that the roster was improved. I didn't think it was improved to this point where they take out the Warriors potentially in five. But let's see what happens. I trust that the Warriors will get at mm-hmm. least one more. But uh, the Lakers have looked fantastic. There's no way around it. They, they just have. And I they've overcome some stuff in this series that I thought the Austin Reeves thing was going to be a real issue for them, uh, especially after game two. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it has not derailed the lakers in any way so far so i'm very curious to see what happens
6: i also wonder if lebron has been kind of pacing himself for a moment like this this is his opportunity i'm i know he would love nothing more than to close out steph on his home court and i wonder if tonight's the night you see him really put uh his foot on the pedal and kind of hunt switches do all the lebron things we've been waiting for him to do I feel like he maybe like knows. I got one of these a series, and I wonder if tonight's the night he kind of really goes for it. It's gonna that be a be lot. That would be fascinating. Of, it would be very fascinating. It'll be a lot of fun to watch, Chris. That will do it for today's episode. Thank you to everyone uh, for tuning in. Please continue to enjoy the NBA playoffs.